You're listening to the Dime Podcast, Business Simplified. For so many listening, we are guessing you didn't start your business so you could run and keep the systems, processes, and daily tasks of the business. Of course not. You have a passion for a product, an idea, for people. Well, Dime and the Dime Podcast is here to help. We want to simplify and clarify all the detail work of running your business so you can focus on the real reason you started your business, your church, your organization, or your nonprofit. My name is Rob Lott, and I'll be your host for these conversations. This month, Ben Habeck and I will begin a five-part conversation regarding the most frequently asked questions of Dime. A little behind-the-scenes show note, you'll probably hear the landscaping crew hard at work outside of the Dime offices. Ben and I both agreed the conversation was too good to stop, and that you, the listeners, would understand. After all, these are simply the realities of remote podcast recording. Okay, so that's been addressed, and that is out of the way. So, let's get to it. Here is part one of a five-part series on the questions most frequently asked of Dime. Welcome back, everyone, to the Dime Podcast, Business Simplified. I am Rob, and that is Ben over there. Hey, Ben. Hey, Rob. Hey, man. Uh, so we had an opportunity a couple of months ago to chat with with some fine people at a conference, and we had kind of put together a whole series of questions that we are asked on a regular basis, and we plowed through those questions, and we thought, you know, some of these questions, all of these questions, are maybe questions that we could bring to a larger audience, and so we're going to kind of do a uh, kind of a five-part, I guess, so a five-part series of questions. And um, so, Ben, there's so much that Dime does for all you. Know, you have so many customers, so many clients, so many businesses and, and, and nonprofits and churches that you deal with. And so we get a lot of questions in regard to the nuts and bolts of business, the nuts and bolts of accounting and percentages and things like that. And so some of these questions, they just they keep coming up time and time again. And so uh, I think it's I think it's good to take some time and just kind of share some of the answers with some of these questions. Yeah, most of these questions pertain to churches and, and nonprofits, but at the end of the day there's a lot of this that that carries over to businesses and other other entities as well, but these are these are really the five questions that we get asked most by churches specifically. Yeah. And I mean we've spent 15 years <laughs> figuring these things out. Finding, finding out the answers to these questions. That's right. Uh, and so here's, here's what I want to do. If you are listening and you are the money person of your organization, of your church, of your nonprofit, of your organization, if you're the money person, you might hear some things that you go, I disagree. That's totally fine. And at the same time, what we might give is you might hear some things that that you've absolutely heard before, but maybe Ben, maybe in our conversation, we'll give you a new way to talk about it and a new way to communicate it to your team, to your congregation, to uh, you know the the outskirts of your organization as to why you do what you do and how you do what you do. We might give you some phrases and some ideas and some metaphors <laughs> that might mm-hmm. help you explain some of those things. So don't you know a, as we get into some of these questions and you're like, mm, I, I already have an answer and a philosophy on that. Don't don't skip over the episode just for that. 
that reason. But also there's going to be some people like myself that are not money people. We don't think in Excel spreadsheet form and we don't, you know, we're just not accounting money people. But that's okay. So maybe you're listening and you're going, oh my goodness, thank you so much for putting these questions out there and giving me some answers and some tangible processes for that. So for anybody who is listening on on either end of that scale and everybody in between, I think you're going to get something out of these episodes. So let's jump into this first question, Ben. You know, Again, these are just questions that keep coming up time and time again. So let's do a podcast episode about it. Church profitability targets. Let's talk about that. Should we have a balanced budget at the year end? What is a balanced budget? Oh man, you tell me. (laughs) I would say (laughs) a balanced budget for me, and this is just for me, I would, oh goodness. I mean, I, I know it's apples and oranges, but a balanced budget in my house just means that I have not overdrafted. (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty good yeah (laughs) so most uh organizations most people would say that a balanced budget means that however much income you brought in you spent so if you bring in a hundred thousand dollars for the year you spent a hundred thousand dollars for the year so you balance the budget you have no profitability at the end of the year and the the other thing is that a lot of people think well a church is a non-profit and a nonprofit, the word nonprofit means we're not supposed to have a profit. Um, and that's just totally not true at all. <laughs> the, the, the concept of nonprofit means that that profit doesn't go to a specific individual. So it doesn't mean that the, the organization shouldn't have a profit. It just means that there isn't one or uh, a couple of individuals that benefit from having that profit. So nonprofit means that no one is profiting. But it doesn't mean that the organization can't have a profit. Right. In fact, it means that the organization should have a profit, but the organization uses those profits in future years. Okay. So that was going to so, be my question. Is, you know, you get to the end of the year, people have made donations to the nonprofit, and, and they're asking, hey, wait a second. I want to know where, wh- why you have this surplus, why you have this extra. Well, I, I donated, donated this money with the intention that you would use it. Um, how do you talk to those people and how do you explain, oh, we're, you, we're using it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard to grow any organization if you don't have working capital, if you don't have money. And we've talked in other podcasts and we'll talk in the future about how much money you should have for working capital and that sort of thing. But if you're a growing organization and you need to hire staff or you need to buy more chairs for your congregation or uh, you want to buy a building, that sort of thing, you need things like down payments to buy a building. Yeah, You need cash, you need money to do things, to hire staff. You might need money to hire staff up front until the church grows enough that you're earning enough profit to, to pay for them. So you need working capital to be able to grow your organization. So the organization has to profit so that you can have money in the bank, which is working capital, so that you can grow the organization. I know that there are times and you know everybody has experienced this whether it was uh in high school in college uh growing up the kind of family that you, you that you grew up with maybe or you know or even just last week that you're living hand to mouth you know as soon as the money comes in it is going out and that's stressful and it's concerning and it's sad and it's demoralizing to everybody in the household and to you personally, when all of the money that you made this week, this month, this year, all has to go out somewhere else. And that's sad and it's scary and it makes everybody uncomfortable. 
And we've all experienced that at some point in our lives where uh, we're like, oh my goodness, I, I have just enough to make my life work right now. And it's uncomfortable and it's stressful. We don't want that for the organization. Right. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about budgeting then. Okay. Because at the end of the day, the budget is really what should drive your profitability and, you know, drive the decisions that you make in the organization. So we like to tell organizations to build a budget based upon 90 or 95% of your revenue. So if you think you're going to bring in $100,000 this year, then build your expense budget to be somewhere around ninety dollars or $95,000. So you have a 5 to 10% surplus built right into your budget. The goal then is to beat income, so to bring in $110,000 and beat expenses by only spending maybe $85,000. Yeah. So then you have an even bigger gap. So we tell churches every organization actually that if you have a 10% profit then you're essentially break even in the business world if you have a 10% profit you got to pay taxes and after you pay those taxes you, you got very little left so 10% is pretty much break even so build a 90 or 95% budget try to beat the budget Expect to hit a 10% profit margin then, which is essentially break even. Hope to hit 15% or better based upon beating your income targets or your expense targets. All the time. Again, just the way that you simplify and, and talk about this stuff and just make it so accessible and easy. Again, uh, my mind doesn't work this way. And so it's, it's always good to hear it presented in a way that's like, oh, that's doable. That's so easy. Now, okay, I can, I can do that level of math. Great sold. So yeah. thank you for that. Uh, yeah. What else? Anything else? Yeah. So in thinking about the budget and creating a budget, um, and we've done other podcasts that talk about budgeting and that sort of thing in particular, but we live by the philosophy of using the budget to influence the future, not to predict the future. So we're not creating a budget to say, what do we think we're going to bring in an income? What do we think we're going to spend in these specific areas? We're creating a budget to say, this is what we are going to pursue in income. And this is what we are going to pursue in these particular expense areas. So we are going to have a 10% profit margin or a 15% profit margin. And that sets our goals for us to go out and pursue. Yeah. So we're working to influence the budget, not just try to predict what's going to happen or influence our focus for next year, not just try to predict what could happen. Yeah. Well, and I love the way that you talk about that. Even before we pressed record, you know, you were talking about kind of some of the stretch goals that Dime has. Um, right. And that, you know, even it, it's a stretch goal. And the, the amazing good thing about a stretch goal is that even if you don't hit that goal, you've still done far better <laughs> than, had right. you, than had you continued with business as usual. Right. So it's it's good to have those goals and and again like you say influence the future. Don't try to predict the future but influence the future. And and influencing the future sometimes means hey, let's set some some stretch. audacious goals, some stretch goals. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh last question in regard to this question that uh, <laughs> Dime is frequently asked. Uh what do you do with the 10%? So you've you've created a budget that allows for a 10% margin, um, you know, uh, that's your, that's your, your profitability, hopefully, but it's also your break even. What do you do with the 10%? Where does it go? 
Great question. So uh, some of that money needs to probably be used for general operations and just cash flow. But if you specifically do 10% or better, we think it's a good practice just to standardize savings and contingency planning. So put 5% into a savings account every month. 5% of your income, just drop it into a savings account every month. And this this turns into working capital, and it turns into uh, growth-type money. And then put another 5% every month into a contingency or a what-if account. And these are really important things that we've been we've been doing with with churches for a long time. If you put five percent of your money into an account every month, and an opportunity comes up in six months that you would like to take, but it's not something that you've budgeted for, well, now you've got this contingency money that you can use to fulfill that opportunity or to pursue that opportunity. On the flip side, if something bad happens, like a terrible pandemic or something like that, you've got savings money and you've got opportunity money or contingency money that you can use to weather the storm. Uh, we had a church years ago, speaking of weathering the storm, we had a church years ago that uh, it was a big mega church and they were in an area that doesn't typically get snow. They ended up getting a huge snowstorm on a Saturday night. They oh, couldn't no. have services. This was this was before online giving was such a huge thing. Yeah. And they missed one week of income, which imagine if you didn't get revenue for a week as a church. <laughs> that is devastating. Yeah. Um, but because they had a contingency plan or they had a contingency account that they had been saving money, they will they were able to easily weather that storm. So if you have a 10% profit, it's essentially break even as a church, put five percent. Every month, just plan to put 5% into a contingency account and 5% into a savings account. Well, and I, I think there might be a number of organizations that are listening and going, yeah, I wish that we had uh, had a contingency plan about two years ago. I wish we would have had some things in place uh, to be able to weather the storm. Uh, but now we're in this big, deep hole and... Uh, how do we, you know, as soon as we get out of that hole, we're going to start putting 5% of it away. <laughs> what would you, what would you say to that? What do, what do pastors say to their attendees or their congregants about tithing? Yeah. Don't they wait. say start somewhere. Just start somewhere. S- start with 1% and maybe yeah. next year you could do 2% and next year you could do, but start with something. If you don't ever get into the practice of doing that, you won't ever get into the practice of doing that. Yeah. So start somewhere. And by the way, we like to call it a contingency account. It's easy to use that terminology or to say, what if? Yeah. Uh, and we've got to weather the storm. Um, with most churches, I actually like to call it an opportunity account. Yeah. Because this is, our, this is our way of saying, hey, an opportunity came out down the road that we'd like to pursue. And now we're able to because we've been putting 5% away. And we can spend that money even though it wasn't in the budget and we never thought we could. That is a far more optimistic way of looking at it, Ben. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's good. Uh, all right, great. Well, in the next episode, we are going to be discussing philosophy. Oh, this is a big one. This is a big one, Ben. Philosophy on discretionary spending. This is a hot topic. What does an accountability structure look like for discretionary spending? That's going to be that's going to be a heated discussion. You're not going to want to miss it, listeners. 
you're, you're gonna oh man yeah, you and i are gonna really really go at it in regard to this <laughs> conversation I, I think everybody is sitting on pins and needles waiting for that one to come out so uh no it's it's a <laughs> it's a good uh good conversation and again it's a question that keeps coming up so uh go ahead and hit subscribe to the dime podcast business simplified and um that next episode will arrive uh right there in your podcast app while you sleep thanks ben thanks rob Did you hear my lawn care guy with his leaf blower show up? I did. I did. And it's all right. <clears throat> I thought about not talking, but what I was saying was so good. That's I just right. Stop. <laughs>